All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist, and this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. This podcast is made possible by NoCD. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure and response prevention, or ERP therapy, the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specialty-trained therapists, and they accept most major insurance plans. To find out more about NoCD, visit nocd.com. That's nocd.com to book a free 15-minute call. For people in the state of Kentucky, you can go to kentuckyocd.com. That's K-E-N-T-U-C-K-Y-O-C-D.com and book a session with me. There's a couple of groups in this camp. The, The first is, like I say, the group that's just like about reducing anxiety they're just trying to achieve this like hocus pocus result where like i faced my demons and my anxiety's gone you know and 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 that's i think that's a cool idea and i'm not i'm not knocking the idea i'm knocking that it's not that simple that that's a bit of a naive approach to exposure therapy even if your goal is is simply and unapologetically the reduction of anxiety it's nothing more complex than that it's nothing more informed than that it's just like I want to feel less anxious and so I'm doing all this exposure work. Like I think that that's not going to be the result in all likelihood because individuals who are approaching exposure therapy with this idea are often they're jumping in the deep end. They're they're not starting with like light easy exposures. Which is a really good idea by the way to start with light and easy exposures to sort of dip your toe in the pool so to speak or to learn skills and to see processes happen, to learn how to swim in the kiddie pool, right? Or, or in the very, very shallow end, right? We're not talking about jumping into 14 feet of water in the ocean and learning how to swim there. You know what I'm saying? And oftentimes individuals who are approaching exposure therapy with the idea they're gonna attack their anxiety and they're gonna, they're gonna knock it out, they're gonna feel better, they're generally the same people who are making the mistake of of sort of jumping into 14 feet of water in the ocean that happens to be infested with sharks and it's ice cold thinking that they're going to have a good experience in the end. And it's like nothing about your experience, like nothing is going to be good. Everything about this is going to be bad and the result in all likelihood is also going to be bad. You're going to walk away thinking this was an absolutely abysmally horrible idea. I don't know why anyone ever talks about exposure therapy and I'm never, ever doing this again. You know, and it's like, well, that makes sense if I'm honest with you. Yeah, I probably would never, ever do it again either, but that's not the way that I do exposure therapy, right? That's not the way I train patients to do it. That's certainly not the way I do it myself. Like we're not, you know, anxiety is already a pretty bad experience. We don't want to uh, you know, put it on steroids and overdrive and make it a really horrible experience. Like we want to actually learn something. And so I think that that's the first sort of camp within this group, that there are individuals who are just super focused on getting rid of anxiety. The 
the second group is is comprised of people who are trying to like dismiss thoughts, right? Or you might say they're trying to disconfirm beliefs, right? And and it's very much a cognitively oriented enterprise where they're not necessarily necessarily focused on getting rid of anxiety, although that's a happy byproduct, but what they're really focused on is disconfirming beliefs. And and I don't think that, well, one, I don't think that this is a very good approach either, but it doesn't help that the literature is rife with this uh, phraseology. Like if you're steeped in the literature, and, and I certainly have some patients and I've met a fair number of OCDers who are very well informed, right? They've done a lot of research. They've, 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 they've uh, combed the professional literature and they're, they're fairly, they're fairly well informed in terms of what exposure therapy is and, and the outcome data in terms of its efficacy and so on. And individuals in this camp are going to be well acquainted with, with the phraseology of the disconfirmation of beliefs. And I think that the problem of the idea of the disconfirmation of beliefs, and by the way, it does have an emphasis on ritual prevention. It's just a secondary, or you might say like a decreased emphasis. It seems to me anyway, from having sat in the room with, with clinicians who are oriented this way, that the primary emphasis is on the disconfirmation of beliefs. The secondary emphasis is on ritual prevention, right? And, and to my mind, that, that's, that's ass backwards. It just shouldn't be like that. We should be focusing and majoring on ritual prevention. No exceptions, no excuses. That's what it is. Get your focus where it belongs. I think that with this group also, you, you see these kind of like Morse code exposures. Uh, where we're doing kind of like experiments to see if if the if the belief was confirmed or disconfirmed, right? And, and maybe we'll redo the the uh, experiment later on, and maybe we'll do it a few more times. And each time we're we're further confirming that the belief is an erroneous or or false belief, and that we can sort of put it aside. And and to my mind, and and you've heard me argue this point before. To my mind, that is subtly compulsive. It's a way, in other words, of to use the language of DSM, of neutralizing feared outcomes, right? So it sort of is a form of comfort saying, look at all these times when the fear didn't happen. Look at all these times when I, 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 I opened myself up to the possibility and, and, and nothing came through the door and nothing happened. And so in the future, oh man, I think I'm good. I can just put away the whole anxiety system. And whenever those thoughts happen in the future, I can just say, ah, that fear has been disconfirmed, right? And that's the end of it. And I think that one, that it's compulsive for that reason. We're using exposures for the very purpose of reducing anxiety and neutralizing feared outcomes. That is to say of getting rid of intrusive thoughts. But also I think that it negates uncertainty of the present and of the future as an inherent uh, fact of reality. So maybe one of my fears is that I'm going to hit a pedestrian, right? And so uh, I do my best to drive really, really slowly and, and, I, and I ride my brakes and, and I adhere to all the speed limits and, and I make sure that I'm wearing my spectacles when I'm driving and, and I have somebody in the, in the passenger seat who's also like watching really, really carefully and, and you know, I've got cameras on my car so I can always watch and, and re-watch later if I'm not sure. You know, I can check my rear view mirror, but I can also check the footage and, you know, and I've got all these compulsive patterns happening 
you know, from riding my brakes and driving really slow to having passengers and having cameras and, and all this stuff going on. I finally get to a place where I'm not doing any compulsions and it's just me, the road, and you know, some pedestrians here and there with of course the possibility that I might accidentally hit somebody with my car. And maybe the first day I don't hit somebody and the second day I don't hit somebody, the third day I don't hit somebody and so on, right? And, and then my therapist was like, see, you disconfirmed the beliefs that you're gonna hit somebody. But it's like, well, what about tomorrow? Are you saying it's not possible that I could hit somebody tomorrow? Like, is that the argument? Because like, there's no way that you can win that argument because there's no way that you can confirm definitively that because it didn't happen in the past, it won't ever happen in the future, that there's not even the slight possibility of that. I mean, that's an entirely untenable position. Of course, there's a possibility that that might happen in the future. And you can follow that kind of logic through virtually any topic and any sort of cognitive or obsessional narrative. You know, whether we're talking about this or that uh, OCD subtype, whatever the anxiety system is about, you can follow that logic straight through it. Like, there's always uncertainty. There's always the possibility. Do I think that these two camps, whether we're focused on getting rid of anxiety as a, as a rather exclusive goal or we're focused on the disconfirmation of beliefs, I think there are inherent problems you might say philosophically, as well as in terms of outcome data, I think that this is why the literature seems to favor the idea of prolonged and repetitive exposures. But hear me, I'm not saying that there aren't problems with this because I think that there's also problems with prolonged and repetitive exposures, right? And, and, that, and the problem primarily is that it's uncomfortable. But, but this is precisely why you start small. This is the reason. You start with, where the stakes aren't very high. You start where the exposure is comparatively easy. You want there to be some anxiety. I mean, that's the point. I'll often say to patients, I do want you to experience some distress. I do want you to have some anxiety. I can't teach you how to interact differently with your anxiety if you're not anxious, right? That, that doesn't make sense. You follow what I'm meaning to say. Like, you know, it, you know it's, it's like learning. It's like trying to learn a real-time skill when you're not dealing with whatever it is in real time. I mean, you might have a, a textbook knowledge, if you will. You might have a, like a, a removed idea of what to do from step one to step two to step three, but you haven't really put it into practice because you're not anxious, right? So we want you to be a little bit anxious so that you can learn how to interact with your anxiety differently. So that's why exposure therapy is supposed to be anxiety producing. But again, we're not talking about 14 feet of ocean water. We're talking about the kiddie pool, man. You know, where you can stand up. I don't want you to stand up because I don't want you managing your anxiety. Remember, I don't want you managing it. That's a compulsion. I want you to learn how to interact differently with it. Uh, but in theory, yeah, you could stand up in the kiddie pool, right? So if something goes wrong, God forbid, I'm standing up. And that's okay, whatever. But you, you, but you see what I'm saying? It's like we want to learn how to kick and we want to learn how to do these like, you know, back and front strokes in the kiddie pool. Um, and then we move to a little bit of deeper water. Maybe we're in the shallow end of the, of the, of the pool or whatever it is, you know, and maybe we go to like an intermediate depth and, and, and eventually we're in the deep end. And, and then maybe we move to a place where there's actually a current. Maybe you're like in a river or, or maybe you're in like the bay or, or whatever it is, and, but you keep practicing the same skills and the same skills. And, and this is the prolonged and repetitive exposure piece with ritual prevention, right? So it's like, you're going to be anxious right? You're going to be anxious. And this is where people get it wrong. Whether we're talking about consumers or many therapists who have just dabbled, right?
And it's like, when I, when I begin to feel anxiety happening, it's like I panic and I think I'm doing something wrong or, or I panic and I think I can't do this. Right. And I, and I discontinue. And it's like, I say again, and I say again, and I say again, are you listening to me? I say it again. If you're doing exposure therapy properly, you are going to be anxious. Okay. You're going to be anxious. And so you want to be able to do prolonged. That is to say like a long time. How long you say, I would say at least 30 minutes. Usually, usually I see people begin to habituate, meaning their anxiety starts to fall around 25 minutes. Have I seen people not begin to habituate at 25 minutes? Hell yeah, man. Sure. I, I mean, I've done thousands and thousands of exposures. Yes, I've seen people. So if you're like like scrutinizing your watch and it's been 25 minutes, I'm still anxious. It's like, well, dude, sorry, keep going, you know? And this is where it comes to, to my mind, the most important attitude within the context of exposure therapy. And that is tolerance. You've got to tolerate your anxiety. Stop being of this mind that says, I can't tolerate it. I can't do it. It's like, stop that. Stop that. Stop. Yes, you can. You've been tolerating your anxiety for years of time, most of us. Right? We've been doing this a long, long time. The idea that you can't tolerate it, you've been tolerating it. You've been doing it. This is just now a matter of interacting with it differently where you're not like grabbing your, your stuffed animal of, of compulsions. I'm like, oh, I got to No, you don't, dude. Stop doing that. It's not helping you. It's like you've tried that. You've been there, done that, and it didn't work. It's not working for you. So like, what do you have to lose by trying something else? And this is something else. Tolerance, prolonged repetitive exposures. And maybe the next episode, like I'll do an exposure myself on the episode. So you see what I'm talking about. It's one of those things that to my mind, it's it's important. It's important to be able to see it happen. And it's important to be able to understand what's being explained, right? And, and because a lot of people, and I'm telling you, a lot of people uh, who listen to this podcast aren't in therapy and they're trying exposure therapy on their own. And I know that because I've talked with a number of them personally and many of them are doing it incorrectly. And I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm just saying it's a, it's a common reality that people are doing it incorrectly, right? And, and it just so happens a lot of people who listen to OCD Straight Talk are listening to OCD Straight Talk to feel a little bit better. And so, well, one of the ways that we're going to do that is by doing exposure therapy the right way. Like, like, don't, don't do it the wrong way, man. Like, it's, you're not getting anywhere if you're just doing it the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? So, so again, it's tolerate the distress, hang in there for a long, long time. So like, I think that for me, I'm a little bit of minophobic. So maybe the next, uh, maybe the next episode I'll, I'll watch uh, of like a vomit video. Uh, and some of us, you know what I'm talking about. That's most unpleasant for others of us. It's like, wow, who cares? You know, people in the medical field or, or, or some moms or whatever. It's just like, sure, dude, let's watch some pukes, you know? But for me, it's like, uh, especially if there's audio and you hear like the retching going on and you see the vomit coming out of the mouth and, Ooh, you know, but, but then you got to watch it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know what I'm saying? Like prolonged, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like what we're going to do, many of us is watch it one time and like, oh, I can't do that. Right. And that's, and that's the end of it. Like, well, exposure therapy didn't work for me. You know, like, well, dude, okay, hold on. You gotta, you gotta do more than that. You can't just watch the, like the dude throw up once. Like, what, fuck that. Like, okay, hold on. So, you know what I'm saying? So like, let's go back and watch it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Like, that's the idea of it. Prolong, tolerate the distress. 
tolerate the thoughts. Am I going to throw up? Is that going to be me? I think I'm going to throw up. Keep watching it, man. Keep watching. Keep going. Go, 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 go. And then you're like clenching your teeth. Stop clenching your teeth. Ritual prevention. Well, I like walking away. Stop walking away. I'm closing my eyes. Stop closing your eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, do the work, man. Do the prolonged, repetitive, tolerate, prolonged, repetitive, tolerate, prolonged, repetitive, and stop compulsions all along. You know, and it's like, you keep those pieces in mind. Time, prolonged, over and over again, repetitive. And what I mean by over and over again is like one day and then the next day and then the next day and then the next day, right? Over and over again. Uh, so whether we're talking about, you know, uh, I don't know, like, touching a surface uh i'm not saying like touch 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 touch. i would say touch it for a long time grab a hold of it prolonged and then the next day come back grab a hold of it prolonged and now it's repetitive because i did it yesterday and now i'm doing it today and then tomorrow grab a hold of it prolonged and then and, and it's repetitive because i did it yesterday and today and the day before yesterday you see what i'm saying prolonged and repetitive Tolerate distress and stop compulsions. I mean, that that's really, if you're doing that stuff, and, and by the way, hold on, one more thing, with an absolute emphasis on ritual prevention, the behavioral component of anxiety cannot be overstated, even if like I just, like, even if I just say that over and over again for 20 minutes, it still hasn't been overstated because many of us need to still hear, you've got to stop compulsions. You've got to work hard to resist compulsions. You've got to work to identify with your eyes opened and your mind engaged compulsions. And once you do that, then you have to work to stop them. You have to stop compulsions. And by the way, you've got to work really, really hard at stopping compulsions. And if you're doing compulsions, you're not doing exposure therapy. So all this like prolonged, repetitive, you know, tolerate stuff. It's like you're doing compulsions the whole time. You're doing nothing but compulsions. Even if you're touching or even if you're watching the video over and over with your eyes closed or or whatever it is distracting yourself and whatever the compulsion is you're not doing anything this is where a lot of people get it wrong and, and so i say to you again if you're doing exposure therapy properly you're going to be distressed it's going to be uncomfortable like if it's not uncomfortable because you're doing all these compulsions to try and manage your comfort level, you're not doing anything, man. You're not doing anything. So anyway, so those four components, tolerance, prolonged, repetitive, and ritual prevention are like the, uh, I don't know, they're, the, they're your bosom buddies or whatever. You know, it's the four things you got to keep in mind. One, two, three, four, got to do them. If you're missing one, don't miss one, right? You got to do them all. And for heaven's sake, don't do compulsions. Well, that's it for another episode of OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have to chrislines04 at gmail.com. If you found the podcast helpful, consider giving it a five-star rating or subscribing to OCD Straight Talk for structured help with your anxiety or OCD symptoms.